0: Hi there, everyone. My name's Morris, as Lindsay said, I'm one of the leaders here. Just to add to the notices, one of them slipped through the net. I don't know how, but isn't it been amazing to sing together today? And this evening um, is our monthly prayer and praise gathering where we sing lots more. So if you're enjoying singing, please come and join us and we'll spend time praying together. It's not here, it's at our church centre, which is to Blackburn Place, so just off Hope Street. And um, recently, and until recently, that used to be at 7.30, but it's a new time, 6.15. Because before we did it, some people were like, oh, I've got my packed lunch to make for Monday, and 9 o'clock's too late to finish. So come at 6.15. We'll be done by 7.45. Plenty of time to make the best packed lunch ever uh, for Monday afterwards. Um, I, uh, We are starting a new series today. This new series, Authenticity, Living in the Light. We're going to be looking from now until December at a letter in the Bible, John's first letter. So the first letter of John, not to be confused with John's Gospel, which is at the start of the New Testament, but this letter, 1 John, which is near the end. And we've called this series Authenticity because um, that is something that is highly valued in the society we live in. Everybody thinks it is good to be yourself, and yet I think most of us struggle to find the place we can really be ourselves and feel like we're totally accepted and to be yourself is okay. And the letter of 1 John is basically all about saying, you can find the place where that is possible, where you can be authentically who you are and loved and accepted. But that can only happen through the true authentic message about Jesus. So that's what 1 John is going to be all about, and we're looking forward to studying it together. And if you read the Bible by yourself when you're at home, why not for the next few weeks read along with 1 John and see where it is we're going to be heading to? Uh, we're going to start in chapter one, and so if you've got a Church English Bible, that's page one two two five, and if you haven't, you're, you're on your own. But it's 1 John one one to four. It's after 2 Peter, near the end of the um, New Testament. And I think Fumi's going to come and read to her, so I think that's right, isn't it? Yes, good, she's coming. Good, I got that right. Fumi's going to come and read verses 1 to 4 for us. Yeah, so our Bible reading is from 1 John, chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it, and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We we proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you may have the fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, we write this to make our joy complete. Thank you very much, Femi. I'm glad it was you. I hope that wasn't just sprung on you. Um, so terrible confession. Um, in our house, we have been watching and are totally addicted to this absolute trash TV. Um, that I don't know if you've even seen. It's not even on mainstream TV. It's only on E4. That's how bad it is. Married at First Sight. I don't know if you are watching this. It's so terrible and awful and I think I'm just like seeking to redeem watching it by using it as a sermon illustration. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's fine for me to be watching it. It's really helpful for understanding one John apparently. Um, And uh, this TV program, it used to be an actual experiment for people who were wanting arranged marriages. Um, Now it's just basically like Love Island but with wedding dresses. So it sends totally the opposite message about marriage, to what the church thinks, and everything else. I just need to make that totally clear, uh, not putting it forward as a model of morality. But still, I'm hooked. And um, there are, there's a, we've been following one couple, not this couple who are on the screen, actually. They were just on the home page. Another couple um, who've got married at first sight, and they're on their honeymoon, and um, they just argue all the time. Um, I think all the discussions are sort of staged, to be honest. They set them up for arguments and stuff. But anyway, they had, one day they were having, at the end of their honeymoon, this staged discussion. And the woman, who'd just been horrible to the man all the way through, said, can you think of anything you think is good about me? And the guy said to her, well, you're very authentic. I was like, well, it's one way of putting it, I guess. <laughs> but what he means by that is, you just say what you think. You don't care what the effect is, even if it's going to be incredibly damaging, hurtful and destructive, you just say it. You're really authentic. And he was able to use that as a compliment because in our world, as I said, that's highly valued. Over and above things that might help you like actually you know, make functional relationships like grace and politeness and listening to people, being authentic is seen as more valuable than that. And so here's what I think I've been learning through watching Married at First Sight, here's the justification, that authenticity and community are often pulling in different directions. That if you really want the right to express yourself all the time, it's going to be very hard to create great relationships with other people. And I think we... uh, It's often a comment in our society. Lindsay mentioned it earlier. As the church, we're trying to do something about it. Especially amongst younger people in our society, there is a sort of epidemic of loneliness. People saying they feel lonely, but that's not totally surprising, is it? If people are taught their whole lives, the most important thing is that you should be allowed to express yourself with no compromises and that your identity should be expressed and respected. And everybody's just doing that. What we end up is a world of very polarized individuals, or maybe sort of couple units who are very polarized from everybody else. And what we end up with is a society of very isolated people who are very well practiced in being ourselves, but very poor at making real community, because they consider that as hiding. Now in all of that in the background, this letter from 2000 years ago in the Bible has a very compelling offer Uh, He talks, John, in this letter about God offering us life, and what he means by that is that God is offering to give us what he has, true life in himself, and a feature of that life that God is offering to give us is that you can be totally known, fully known and loved as you really are, and part of a deep joyful practically caring community now without god those things just pull apart from each other but in fact john is claiming that this proclamation he talks about in these verses that fumi's just read it creates a place where we find real authenticity because what this message does is pull sacrificial love where you give yourself away out of everybody who's there. So instead of pushing to be recognized, I'm me and you've got to accept me, everybody in it is moved to give up what they want for the sake and help of others. So you can be authentic and in community. And John's, John, the writer's big claim, is that this message from God, it can only do that, it can only be doing that in this church he's writing to if it's true if it's not true it can't have that effect at all there's shadowy figures in this letter people john just calls them they which i think is quite a nice way of talking about people you don't really agree with isn't it they uh, we never know find out who they are and they the people in the church they find this message too strange They find it too strange that you can only get access to through one truth. They don't like that. They don't like that this message calls you into a real community where you have to love other people. They, They don't want that. They don't like that darkness is pulled into light, that we're called to change when we live in that community. They haven't liked that, these people John used to know. And they were in his church, but they've gone out, he says. I think probably what it means, they've gone out in an attempt to convince people who aren't Christians to become Christians and discovered that this truth seems a bit full-on when you're trying to do that. So they've thought, well, just tinker with it a bit. You don't have to believe the truth about Jesus. You don't have to really change your life. You don't have to really love people who are difficult. And John's drawing this church back and saying, listen, they might say that, but i It's only the authentic Jesus who can bring authentic change and authentic community. It's truer than they say, it's harder than they say, but it's better than what they say. Now, just to think about our church for a moment before we plunge in, there may be in our church people who have, uh, you know, some of those problems. You may have sort of dodgy views of who Jesus is. in our church family, in my experience, that's a bit unusual. I don't generally have people coming up to me after talks saying, I don't really believe that Jesus was God. And if they are, they're saying, like, I'm not a Christian. I've had one experience where some uh, people who are Mormons came to our church prayer meeting to try and evangelize people, and then told us all off for praying to Jesus, because apparently it's not allowed. But Jesus is God, so praying to him, totally fine. Encouraged, in fact. That would be unusual in our church family. The moral call, the idea that, oh, yes, you can believe in Jesus, but not really have to change your life. I think many of us aren't saying that, but some of us might secretly believe it or practice it. But we sort of keep that quiet. And there's a lot of that around. There's one Christian leader local to us over the summer who made a speech It made the national news basically saying, we basically need to let the world set the agenda for what we believe now about morality. We shouldn't call people to change from who they are so that's that's about it's around the place the third one that is you believe the right things you're personally holy but you need to make room to accept and love and know other christians deeply that might be the place that we're tempted to believe what they say because you know who has time for that it's easier just to, like, come in and out. It's very common in our circles for people to say, quite bluntly, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Or I go to church, but I don't really see it's important to have relationships with people. And there might be they, people out there who say, yeah, that's fine, spirituality is just for you, it's not communal, it doesn't need to be community. Out of the three things they are saying, that's the one I think is tempting for us. And John is calling us to something different. He's saying, enter true life, the life that God has in himself through the real, true message about Jesus. Yes, it will expose you. Yes, it will change you. But come and join the community walking that path together, as he calls it, living in the light. I'm dropping your pen. So... That was a long introduction because the start of a series. Don't panic. We're going to keep going now. First thing we see is life from the embodied God. Good Christian friend of mine, someone who's helped me a lot in my Christian life, said to me this, the only time I ever had doubt that the Christian faith was true was when I visited this place in this picture. This is the shore of the Sea of Galilee in Israel. It's not... Uh, particularly beautiful countryside and he said actually visiting Israel generally I didn't really get a sense of Jesus because Christians have built like fucking great churches on top of every site where Jesus you know might have sneezed so I don't have very strong but he was like walking along the Sea of Galilee I had a sudden like do I really believe that the one who made this beach walked on this beach? Do I really believe the one whose eternal imagination thought up seas and beaches? The one whose creation was outpouring of his eternal life-giving energy? Do I really believe he walked right here in a human body? Well, John, the writer of this letter, the writer of John's gospel, as I said earlier, he is saying at the very beginning of his book, that which was from the beginning, and that phrase in the Bible he uses to mean the God who has always been there before us, before the world, before everything, there was God. That which was from the beginning, that's the first line of the Bible, in the beginning God, we heard him, we saw him, we touched him, we looked at him. Uh, It should really, uh, has the idea of beheld. That is, John was like, he didn't just sort of pass by. We, We thought about him. We dwelt on him. And we're telling you this about the word of life. What we're telling you about is the God who was there from the beginning, the God who made it all, who we saw and we touched and we knew. And John is going to say the path to being fully known and accepted for who you are, an authentic community, that path only goes through one gate, the real historical person, Jesus, who was the God who existed before everything from the beginning. I have a friend who calls himself an unbelieving Christian, so he would just disagree with totally everything I've just said. He would say, I don't even believe like the beginning of your discussion. I don't think there is a God. And if there is, I don't think he's knowable. And what you said about Jesus, I definitely don't believe that. But I still want to live by Christian ethics. I still want to be in a Christian community. That's a sort of laudable aim, I guess. But we just need to be clear. That's not what the first Christians were proclaiming. They were saying... The God from the beginning became a physical person, and we saw him, and we touched him, and we knew him. That is the only path through. And John also uses this phrase about Jesus in verse 1. He's the word of life. That is a loaded phrase. John is obsessed with this idea through his writings that when Jesus appeared, he was an embodied communication from God. God didn't just sort of come on a mission to have a look around, He was a word communicating to us, communicating an offer of life. We'll see more about what that life is in a minute, but I want to tell you that it matters to me that the offer that God is giving us doesn't come from a spiritual force, and energy, not a God who sort of has a personality but is distant and far away. It matters that it was a flesh and blood God who was touchable and bled and ate and drank and walked in this world. That matters for about whether we can trust him. I don't know whether you've seen any of the news about universal credit. So uh, one of the people, I don't want to get all political, but one of the people who's deciding that universal credit should be lower is also someone who's got like loads and loads of inherited wealth and lives in like a 50 room mansion or whatever. And lots of people are saying on the news, it's sort of hard to take from you that we should live on 20 quid less a week when you have like, you know, gold-plated teaspoons and stuff like that. It's hard to take because you're so far away and distant from what we're experiencing. How can we take from you how we should live? But what if the person who's calling you to something different has walked your path, who knows the world that you live in, What if the God who's calling you to community and change has cried tears like you about a broken relationship, has grieved losing someone, has felt alone and sad, has enjoyed food and friendship? That's the God, John is saying, who's making you this offer of life. And I think, therefore, he can be taken seriously. To be violently again against what I've just said isn't common in our Christian culture like it seems to have been in John's church. That seems to have been quite controversial. It is worth saying that we probably all, day to day, engage with a huge religious movement which uh, says Jesus is just a prophet and it would be beneath God to take on a human body that could be touched and prodded and seen and known. That, that is very much out there in what we are engaging with day to day. And we need to engage with people who think that. We need to learn to do that graciously, gently, lovingly. But we also need to be clear that's a change from the original message. More than that, I think we want to say, why would you trust an offer of life from a God who doesn't really know what it's like to live our life? Why is that trustable? Who stays far away, who only communicates by passing dictation. But there's a call, John says, a communication, and he invests his very being. He becomes like this. That's a word that can be listened to. Trusted. Maybe you're here at church today, and you're just thinking about Christianity, and we are saying to you, there's a God you can trust, and you're like, well, okay, but why should I trust him? And John would say, well, there's many reasons, but first reason is this. This really happened this real person, Jesus, walked around. He wasn't made up. And a God who's going to walk your path is a God who can win your trust. If the embodied Jesus was the eternal God, then that means I can hear him talk about my embodied existence. And yet these people, they still, John says, went out from us. And they don't believe that anymore, but You can see the appeal of that, too, because this does feel like a sort of crazy thing to be asking secular, intelligent people to believe. And I can see sometimes the people that I meet, it's tempting to stop saying it just to begin saying things like, yes, Jesus has great insight into the world. He's a bit like Gandhi or Greta Thunberg, you know, says interesting things. You might win more people over that way. But John says, the only path to authentically knowing God is this path through Jesus, the word of life, who is from the beginning. Here's the second thing we see. Life is shared from the eternal Father. Now, I'm totally for people, Christians, talking about their faith in whatever way they feel comfortable. In our time, we're just much more likely to keep quiet than speak at all. But respectfully, in relationship, talking about what you believe day to day is to be commended encouraged. So if you're doing that, please keep going. But I'm learning over uh, the last little while to critique some of the ways I've learned to do that in the past. So I think in the past, if someone said to me, what do Christians believe? I'd have given something like this. Maybe this is something like what you would say. Uh, We reject a God. We face punishment for that. Jesus died on the cross to take our punishment so you can be forgiven. Probably still, if put under the, you know, the spotlight, my summary of what Christians believe would be something like that. You know, you're in trouble, Jesus can get you out of it. And it's true, it's gloriously true, no argument with the truth of that. It's also a little bit boring. And to be honest, it also slightly sort of undersells Jesus, if that's not a inappropriate way to talk about him, you know, Jesus is your get out of jail free card. Jesus is your fire insurance against the flames of hell. Here's how John, I think, would go about that. He would say, listen, eternally, forever, God has been a perfect relationship. God has life in himself. God has always been a father loving his son in the joy of the Holy Spirit. And that creative, perfect love pours out into creation. He has always existed in this perfect, eternal life. And Jesus, the perfectly loved Son of the Father, as he says in verse 2, appeared so that the life which they had always shared, the life that overflowed into this creation so it could be known, the life that pulses in our vast and ever-growing universe, That life was the perfect love between the father and the son and it appeared and we could see it when the son became a human being. I was reading a book recently where uh, one of the main characters in the book was behaving quite strangely and then about chapter five you find out that that character in the book is a monkey. It's quite annoying in the book, plot of the book to be honest, but uh, it's, you know, it makes sense of what's gone before. And that's really what John is saying about Jesus coming into the world. Not that he's a monkey, but he's a human being. And when we saw God's son, when we saw God has a son, that opened up to us what was going on before. The life that was behind all life, the true life that was there from the beginning, was shown to us. John says the life appeared We saw this eternal life that Jesus had always shared with his Father. That's what I'm talking about. That's, John says, what we're proclaiming. So we talk about faith, we just talk about it's a transaction that gets me out of trouble. I mean, it's true, but there's something bigger and better than that going on. The life we see pours out of an eternal life, a God who is love, as John will later say in this book, who's always loved. His Son becoming a human person so that the life behind everything has appeared. And so eternal life, that phrase, does not just mean life that goes on forever. It means the offer Jesus is making is to include us in that never-ending quality of life. That the Father's love for His Son, which gave birth to everything, we can be welcomed into. That life which seems so unknowable to us. How could we possibly understand the way the father has eternally been loving his son? But John said through Jesus it became seeable and accessible and proclaimable. It's a bit more interesting, isn't it, than fire insurance. John's point is simpler, I think, though, than even talking about Jesus. The call in his letter is to say, remember, the authentic Jesus creates authentic change and authentic community. He's just saying, so let's just not listen if someone says Jesus is less than that or the call to be different is less than that or the community he makes is okay being less than that because look, this is the reality that's behind everything for all of time. Let's put all of our confidence and commitment and enjoyment in that because the life appeared and we proclaimed it to you. Sometimes people say to me, maybe this is the way that you feel, you know, I'm not a very good Christian at work. And I think what they mean by that is, you can tell me afterwards if I've got this wrong, basically sometimes life becomes overwhelming. I sort of forget I'm a Christian in some places and situations, or the pull of other things feels so strong, I don't live the way I think I should. And maybe that's because when you're in that place, what you're trying to remember is that you were once in trouble and Jesus saved you? That probably does feel a bit irrelevant to life in your workplace. You know, it's done, it's in the past, it's signed off, the insurance is filed away. But what if Jesus, the real historical figure, included you into God's eternal loving life? What happened if you if you trusted him? And you're included in God's ever-expanding love for the world. That has something to do with, doesn't it? Family life and work and TV and people and friendship. Maybe think about life that way rather than being a better Christian. Be confident that's the life Jesus has brought you into. Working that out, what that's got to do with day-to-day might be a little bit more straightforward. Well, here are two results of this truth. John particularly wants at this point to point out, although we're going to get lots more of them as we go through his letter, this life is experienced through communion and joy. He says, um, we proclaim this amazing thing we've seen and heard, so we'll all have fellowship with each other. Now, if you were brought up in church, not everyone in our church was, but if you were brought up in church, fellowship is not a word that probably has loads of great connotations. The church that I grew up in had a fellowship room. And so, what fellowship meant for me was being cooled, uh, bar heaters in the ceiling that didn't heat the room. What mostly happened in there was eating damp sandwiches and drinking weak squash. That's what fellowship meant to me. But fellowship here, it's a much stronger word than I've said communion. Fellowship here means like a deep accord and agreement and friendship. And John says that's what this message creates. When we saw the incarnate God, God as a person, and we proclaimed life, and you accepted it, it brought us into that perfect agreement and accord and knowledge with God. And that's why we are proclaiming that to other people, because it extends out that fellowship, that accord, that relationship, that agreement to other people. They become, he says, at one with us and through us with God. It's a remarkable offer to have that deep accord with the God we just talked about, who made everything. But maybe you're a little bit uneasy. As I study, I was a bit uneasy with the way John puts it. Why are you putting yourself in the way, John? Did you notice that? He says, um, You can have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I found that a bit weird. I was like, yes, John, and my fellowship is with the Father and the Son as well. Why are you going on about you? But John is saying it's only through the message about the authentic Jesus that anybody gets fellowship with God at all. So it is through believing what the people who first saw and touched and met Jesus It is through their fellowship with God that we gain that same fellowship. We sort of come into agreement with them, and then we come into agreement with God. That remains true. Here at this church, we're deliberately Bible people. But that is not to build up banks of knowledge. I mean, there's worse knowledge you could get. Please read the Bible to build up knowledge of the Bible. That's great. But far more than that, to being a Bible person... It's because a welcome to God's eternal life that we've just talked about is an offer. But it's only on offer through the message, the proclamation of the people who knew Jesus face to face. Whose record we have in the Bible. I mean, it's amazing to me. Quite astounding to me that I can get to stand here and sort of offer you that. But I can. I can offer you inclusion into fellowship with God that deep accord and relationship with God himself, whose life is behind everything. And I get to offer that to you without condition, without limit, no matter who you are. But I only get to do that because of John's message, the record of the people who saw Jesus face to face. And it's that message that Jesus Uh, about Jesus that creates fellowship if you tinker with it if you change it if you start saying there's some other way to get to God and have fellowship with him well you create divisions you don't create fellowship this huge offer can only be through the truth about Jesus it's possible here in that this church because we want to be a bible church that we get that very wrong There are people who think, well, if you're a truth person, you're not a relationship person. It's fine just to study the truth. No, John says, the truth is proclaimed in order to create fellowship. And there are other, you can know all there is to know, but if you're not living out and expressing this deep accord with other Christians and this deep real accord with God, something's gone wrong with what you know. And there are other people who are just like, yeah, yeah, I'm just a relationships person. Truth is a bit boring. This whole stuff about the depth of Jesus' incarnation is a bit sort of heavy. Can we not just have fun with church friends? But it's the truth that brings relationship. I wonder why so many Christian relationships are a pale reflection of what they should be. And actually sometimes a pale reflection of relationships we have outside the Christian community. Why is that? Is it because they're not really built on that deep accord that comes from knowing Jesus together? So life is experienced through communion. And John's final thing to say, verse four, it's experienced through joy. I don't think most of us have even begun to explore or experience the joy that comes from God's own eternal life being shared with us of being loved this way, the way the Father has eternally loved his Son. As I get reminded of that, I think, yeah, I need that joy too. I need my joy made complete. You might see there's a little bit of debate about whether he's saying in verse 4, you might have a footnote, is he saying it, we're telling you this to make your joy complete or our joy complete. I'm not sure it makes a vast amount of difference. He's just saying this offer of God finds its completion, its end, in everybody finding their joyful confidence in the reality of this. We're not just batting about ideas here. The end of it, the completion of it, the idea of me writing this letter is so that you can really experience what it's like to know God the way he loves his son. John is caring for this little battered church he's writing to and saying, listen, hey, whatever they have said, This is real. The real God is a real father who loves his son, and he's bringing you into that too. Listen, we saw it. We heard it. We touched it. And that makes the best, most real fellowship with people and God that there is. And if we live in it, that will be the most joy-giving thing we could ever experience. Let's pray together. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Thank you, Father, for the proclamation of your truth about Jesus We're so grateful for him. We're so grateful that he appeared so the eternal life you have always shared with him could be opened up to us. And we want to pray that this proclamation won't be dead to us, but it will, in the power of your Holy Spirit, create that communion with you and each other. And that joy, that welling up joy of being loved by you.